Let's talk about two things that you probably were surprised by right up front. Number one, why is there a recliner in the middle of a field? Number two, why am I sitting in this recliner in the middle of a field? And here's the answer. I think that this is the perfect picture of how the church is today. See, it's one thing to be in the wrong place. It's a whole nother thing to be comfortable in a wrong place. I believe that's where the church is today. I believe the church has gotten comfortable in the wrong places. And so how does God usually deal with the church when she gets comfortable in the wrong places? Well, he shakes things up, he stirs things up. He, he calls us out of the wrong places in order to lead us back into the right places. I, I know, you need some proof before I give you some proof. So here's how God uses external circumstances. Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It only took the church seven chapters to completely invert that command. So Acts 1.8 said, go from here to everywhere. And Acts 8.1, we find a church that had become very comfortable staying in Jerusalem and getting bigger. So what did God do as a result? It says in Acts 8, 1, that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Here's what we know. God used discomfort in the early church to get them back on track. They were content to stay in Jerusalem, but he was like, no, no, I want you to go to Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. He used discomfort to do that. And here we are today. I bet a lot of you are feeling a lot of discomfort with this COVID-19, with the pandemic. When will it be over? When can we get back to life as normal, right? And you know what I think God's doing? He's still using discomfort, still today, to get the church back on track. Why is that? Because his destiny for us corporately and his destiny for me and you individually is so good and so powerful that he's not content to have us just kicking back, getting comfortable in the wrong places. Let me summarize this whole series discomfort like this. When I was growing up, we used to talk about how we would diss something, right? And it was like, let's get rid of that thing. So I want us to discomfort. I want us to start looking at discomfort as a way that God gets us back on track. Here's the big idea that I want you and I to embrace, not just this morning, but for this whole series. Sometimes you have to leave what's comfortable to live what's possible. Now, over the next few weeks, we're gonna see some examples in scripture, what that looks like. But for today, just for today, I want us to talk about what we find in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. We're gonna look at the story of Abraham and see how God used discomfort in his life to pull him into the promise. Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, the Lord had said to Abram. Now, I'm gonna call him Abraham all the way throughout this series, but technically right here, his name is Abram. And we'll see as we go through his life that God's gonna change his name at some point, but we all know him as Abraham. So when I say Abram, don't be confused. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, the, the first thing I want to give you today is like a roadmap, okay? So this is just a, a roadmap to help us understand these verses and also to help us navigate Abraham's life and also to help us navigate how God uses discomfort in our lives. And here's why, because God's going to call us, here's the roadmap, out of comfort into covenant to be conduits. There's a lot of C words, I know. He's going to call us out of comfort into covenant to be conduits. So here's where we see this in Genesis chapter 12. So in verse 1, we see the call. God said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. That was the call on Abraham's life. He was called from the known to the unknown, from comfort to discomfort. He was called from country to kingdom, right? He said, leave all that and go to a place that you don't know yet. He was, first we see the call. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, we see the covenant. God said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. Do you hear who's doing the work? God said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to bless you. So he's called into a covenant. This is known as the Abrahamic covenant. It's God's word to Abraham. And, it's and the fulfillment of it is on God. It's not on Abraham. God's the one who's going to do this. So he calls him out of where he's comfortable. Leave what you know and come into a covenant with me. Abraham's part in this covenant is simply to obey the call. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, here's where we see the conduit. Now, listen, conduit, for all y'all people that are smart, you already know this. A conduit is simply just a way to get one thing to another thing, right? It's, it's like a channel. It's something that we can, it, it can, it's a conduit to carry something from one place to another place. And God's calling Abraham to be a conduit. This is the end result of the call. All the people, what does it say? All the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So the blessing is going to come from God through Abraham. He's going to become a conduit. What we'll see in this series is that discomfort is often how God cleans the conduit clogs out of our lives. We've got things that clog up the conduit and God has to get those out and he uses discomfort to do it, right? So understand that roadmap. He's going to call us out of comfort into covenant to be conduits, right? Now, today, all I want us to do is focus on the call right? I want us to talk about coming out of comfort, saying, I'm not going to be content to sit in a recliner in a field. This is ridiculous, y'all. This is not what I'm called to do, and God calls us out of comfort. And so I want to talk about three things that will kill the call, right? Three ways that we can kill the call, and I want you to see how we see this in Abraham's life. Just based on his life and his life alone, here are three things that can kill the calling in our lives. Calling killers will keep us from being calling fulfillers. Here's number one, and these, these are all gonna rhyme, okay? It's gonna be our chains, it's gonna be our pains, and it's gonna be our brains. So here are the three things. Number one, our chains can keep us from fulfilling the call. Our family history can keep us tied to this recliner. Right, when we read about Abraham's family, here's what we find. Abraham came from a hometown called Ur, and that hometown was known for idolatry. 
Abraham's own father. It says in Joshua 24, 2, he worshiped other gods. He came from a culture of idolatry. He also came from, this is kind of a weird thing to think about, from a culture of almost, okay? Now, when we read back in the end of chapter 11, it talks about how Abraham's father, um, Terah, he was called to leave and go to Canaan, right? So what I want you to know is, and I don't want to confuse you, but we know this from Acts 7-2 and from Genesis 15-7, that Abraham's actually the one that got the call from God in Ur to go to Canaan. But the entire family packed up. The entire family started going. And here's what we see in verse 31 of chapter 11. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. Okay, so they started the journey. He was headed for the land of Canaan because that's where God told him to go. But listen to this. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. And Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Here's the thing that got me thinking, like, why did he stop? Why did he stop and settle in Haran? It's because he... He was a culture of almost, like we, we started, we almost got to know, are you like that? I, I can read first chapters of books all day long, but only in the last few years have I learned how to actually be a finisher, right? In Philippians 1, 6, it says that our father is a finisher. He wants us not to be about almost. He wants us to actually see the completion. So our chains, our chains can keep us from fulfilling the call. And, and why, why did they stop in Haran? The Bible doesn't say, but I think that there's a key here that'll show us how our pains can keep us from fulfilling the call. In Genesis 11:28, it says this. Well, in verse 27, this is the account of Terah's family. Now, this is Abraham's father. Terah was the father of Abram, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. So, one of... Terah's sons had died. His name was Haran. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I think it's interesting that on the journey out of where they were, out of where they were comfortable, they got to a place called Haran. I think it's interesting that that city has the same name as the son that died. And I don't know this for sure, but I've got a feeling that the family got there and they just started thinking about what they'd lost. They started thinking about the pain. And they just said, you know, we're, we're just done. We're going to settle right here. It says the, in the Bible, they stopped and they settled right there. And sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? Maybe right now you're facing a lot of pain. You're struggling. And when you're really hurting, it's kind of hard to think about going on any further. If you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, our pains will actually keep us from fulfilling God's call. Sometimes it's easier to sit in our pain and hurt than it is to trust God to take us through it. Here's the third thing that can stop us. It's our brains, y'all. This might be the biggest one of all, but what I think is so interesting is that we try to think about, we try to figure out what God's gonna do. And he called a man who was old, who didn't have children, and he said this to him, I will make you into a great nation. Can you just see Abraham hearing this promise from God? At this point, he's 75 years old. I don't know what you're feeling like when you're 75 or how you think you'll feel when you're 75, but like starting a great nation is probably not at the top of the list, right? And he scratches his head going, how are you going to do that, God? How in the world are you actually going to fulfill this promise? And sometimes I think we try to outsmart God. 
We try to think it in our head. We try to use our brains to figure it out. And if we're not careful, that'll stop us short of fulfilling his call. Isaiah 55, 9 says that his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. Philippians 4, 7 actually says that his peace can pass our understanding. Do you know in the, in the Greek it literally means this? That as far as my understanding can go, his peace needs to outrank that. So when I try to figure out what I'm supposed to do, what God's doing in my life, it makes no sense. A lot of times we go, well, if I can't figure it out, then I'm not going to do it. And God says, when you get to the place where you can't figure it out, let my peace outrank your understanding. It's powerful. God looked at an old pagan man with a barren wife, and he promised to make him into a great nation. And how did Abraham respond to that? Let me read it to you. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. And here's what he says. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at this time, at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Listen, God's call supersedes our opinion of his call. Let's wrap this up, okay, by talking about two, two groups. Those of you who are following Jesus and those of you who are not. And what we learn from Abraham's life is that there's good news for both of us. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 tells us that if you and I are following Jesus today, if we're, if we're following him, we've trusted him with our salvation, that we actually are receiving the same blessings from Christ that Abraham did from God. And what about those of us, those of you that aren't following Jesus? You've, you've logged in today. You're watching this service. Um, you're, you're, maybe you, you got caught up in like, what in the world is this guy doing in a field in a recliner, right? And now here you are. You're not following Jesus. What does this story mean for you? How is there good news for you? This is it. The good news for you is that the things that didn't stop Abraham don't have to stop you, right? Your change, your family history, your, your pains, the things that you've been through that have hurt you, and your brains, the way that you can't quite figure out what God's up to, those don't have to stop you from stepping into the promises that God has for you. These are, this is the good news. There's, listen to this, no chain of family history, no pain of past tragedy, no brains that can't comprehend our destiny. None of those can stop us from stepping into what he's called us to. You can choose to answer the call out of comfort and into covenant today. Hey, can it be scary leaving what we know and heading towards what we don't know? <laughs> Absolutely. Even though Abraham didn't know where he was going, he was able to do it because he knew who was going with him. And this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you've never received Jesus in your life, if you've never chosen to follow him, would you simply close your eyes right now and let me pray over you that you would say yes to God, just like a pagan man named Abraham did when he said yes to that call. Father, right now in your name, Jesus, I pray for friends that are becoming brothers and sisters right now, that are choosing to put their trust and faith in you because you gave your life for them on the cross, because you actually came 
to redeem us into the promise that we just read about. We're part of that great promise that you gave to Abraham. When we look up at the stars at night, we're part of that spiritually. We are part of his family. We're part of the world that's been blessed because Abraham said yes to God. And I pray right now, Father, for friends that are saying yes to Jesus now, that you would save them according to your word. We believe with our heart, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord. In your name, Jesus, amen. Listen, thank you for praying that prayer with us this morning. We're going to, listen, close this message up with a song from Phil and Jennifer that you know called Surrounded, but it's going to be done a little bit different. And here's why this song is so powerful. Because as we take this, this journey over the next few weeks and we talk about being uh, in a state of discomfort, we can start to feel like God's forgotten us. We can start to feel like he's left us here, but he hasn't. He's calling us out of our comfort into covenant. Why? Because he wants us to become a conduit of his blessing. And so he wants you to know that he's with you. And he wants that knowledge to give you all the confidence that you need to leave what's comfortable so you can live what's possible. provided and made a way and now we find ourselves under contract and getting ready to move and in this time we're just leaning on his his promises and his joy and his peace and the father's faithfulness and goodness in this time and i feel the presence of god surrounding me through the peace that he gives me through the storm I felt surrounded by God's presence in the time that I've been able to spend with my family. We've spent more time together in the last couple weeks than we've spent together in the last several months. The time that we are spending together is much more valued and it also allows us more clarity to be able to focus and spend time with Christ. I see His presence surround me through my animals. In Genesis 1 verse 25, it says that 
God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals. And then he says that it was good. I feel surrounded by his presence with my animals. I just want to share with you a favorite verse that my dad enjoyed and would quote a lot. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's worship the Lord and rejoice in what he's done and what he's doing for us. There've been moments during this pandemic when I felt anxious or concerned about what I don't understand and what I don't know. And then I'll hear the birds. I'll hear them chirping and singing in the morning, eating out of the feeders or landing on the tree branches. And I'm reminded of God's faithfulness, of his care for all of his creatures. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food for your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Hey, I feel surrounded by the Lord the most in quiet evenings like tonight. And I feel surrounded in early mornings when I take my morning walk just with the countryside and the sunshine and the birds singing and just the peace that is the mornings. I just feel like um, every moment that His uh, legions of angels are just surrounding us and protecting us each and every day. I just feel His presence all the time. I feel His presence after working a 12-hour shift at the hospital and coming out in the early morning to the big sky and the bright sun and realizing that He is much bigger than that. Wow, the last month, two months, have been um, a little demanding and um, crazy at work. Uh, and I have found myself very overwhelmed at times. But I'm reminded, and this is so good, I'm reminded of Psalm 46.1 that says he's a very present help. His presence is present with me all the time. And if he's present with me, I can handle this stuff because he's with me.
So God, we just sit here and we thank you for how you love us enough not to leave us where we are. You've got a destiny for us. You've got possibilities for us. You said in Ephesians that you've created us as a masterpiece to do good works which you've already planned for us. And so I pray over my friends and my family, those that have been following you for years and those that today for the first time said yes to you. I pray that you would fill us, God, with the confidence to know that when we walk with you, we can trust where you lead us. And I pray that we would see promises in our lives the same way that Abraham did in his. In your name, Jesus, amen. Listen. Thanks again for being a part of our online service this morning. If you said yes to Jesus today, we've got something for you. If you would just simply text the keyword hello to the number that you see on the screen right now, we'd love to get in contact with you and get some resources in your hand to help you start this journey with Jesus. We can't wait to have you back with us again, not just next Sunday, but also this Wednesday. Every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we, st we, stand, we, we join here in prayer and worship. We'd love to meet you here and pray with you as well. Have a fantastic week. We're praying that God's blessings are rich in your life. See you next time.